Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 357 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hi, Sarah. How you doing? I'm doing well. We are, we're departing the travel uh, content that we've been doing the last couple of weeks. So if you have been listening to us and you're like, I'm not going anywhere this spring, move on. Stop talking. <laughs> yes. That's what we're doing today. We are moving on. We're doing a really fun two-part series this week and also next Tuesday. We're just going to talk through kids, childhood, year by year, and like free associate with each year's, you know, the highs, the lows, what we remember about our own kids or ourselves. So this is going to be really fun. It is. And I have to say, Sarah, this one was um, interesting to prep for because we did an episode last spring in May where we went through like our memories of what a, and of course we weren't talking about a singular baby. We were talking about babyhood, you know, it's kind of the, in general, um, but month by month of baby's first year. And I I found it very easy to come up with like really specific touch points for months, you know, for baby's first year, because I think you're so focused on like development and also you're following along often with growth charts and books and websites and things like that, that are telling you what to look for. So then you're looking for that stuff. It's not quite the same with bigger kids. It's more of like, um, like a general feeling about certain ages Mm -hmm. or like, uh, you know, I kind of remember like, between three and four ish, like maybe this was going on, but it was really different for this kid from, you know, from this kid to that kid. So it's, yeah, it's like free association is a good way to put it. We're, we're kind of like thinking back on what it's like to have a three or a four or a five or a six year old or what that age group is like while knowing that like, you're not paying as close attention or documenting it in the same way. And like, even my memories around those ages, I think are a little fuzzy sometimes. Well, right, exactly. And so we have to take this with a giant grain of salt that we're not saying all three-year-olds are like this and all six-year-olds are like this. But when you zoom way, way out, and as moms of many collective kids, and most of our kids are older now, I think we can still arrive at an essence. It's like, what is the essence of five? 
And if we talk about it and you're like, oh, that sounds way more like my kid at three and a half. Well, great, because this is not science. This is a this is a conversational <laughs> me, podcast. Nothing coming out of our mouths is science <laughs> for the most part. For the most part. Um, when we were preparing this, I was remembering, do you remember the essay series? I looked it up so I can now remember that it was Brainchild Magazine, which was a wonderful literary, like literary, I don't know, nonfiction magazine for parents. Um, yep. but it has since folded. Um, you wrote for them, uh, didn't you? That was point? my very first published piece ever was in Brainchild Magazine. And I yep. subscribed and it just felt like, it felt like getting the New Yorker, like how I felt when yeah, I was 22 was getting the New Yorker. Like, I remember writing a long form, I think it was like four or 5,000 word story for them about step-parent adoption. Like, it was that kind of stuff, like yeah. real, thinky. like, thinky, like think pieces. Um, yeah. And But it was specifically for parents, which is like, that really, that void was sort of never exactly filled in, except I guess by like blogs. And, you know, a lot of those, mega, or a lot of newspapers now have, maybe they always had like right. specific parenting sections but yeah. this was a whole publication just to read thinky pieces about parenthood a it was print, like great. a print publication a lovely yes. print publication so anyway they ran this essay series that they turned into a book or maybe it was always going to be a book and they used their a lot of their regular essay writers many of whom we know bloggers that we know Allison Slater Tate Lindsay Mead um yep. Aiden Rowley lots of names that either I was following at the time but anyway, the premise was they each essay was like, this is one, this is two, this is three, this is four, this is five. Um, and I think the first book went up to 10 and I maybe later they did one for teens and they were very personal essays. So it was each writer's interpretation. But I just went back and read a little bit of Allison Slater Tate's This is Five. And she's such a great writer and she's a friend of ours. And it just I, I wish we could dig this up. I think it is available for purchase on Amazon. But I just wish these essays were available somewhere because they were I remember reading them and thinking, OK, like that's five. I didn't even have a five year old yet. Yeah. And it was really tender to see different moms interpretations of different ages. And I think that's kind of what we're going for today. Again, this isn't like your pediatrician telling you what to expect. It's right. us reflecting back and trying to encapsulate that essence of each year. On a side note, I kind of wonder if um, Allison and Lindsay and people like that might have republished those essays on their blog yeah. somewhere because there was like a pretty big like we kind of knew brainchild was they've sold and then it was yeah. very very different and then it went under so I wonder if they must exist somewhere okay so we we'll do out. a little more digging and if any of those yeah. essays exist in where you can just read them because they're just yeah. lovely um and then we'll link to the book as well I also want to quickly say Sarah before we move on that um I have been thinking a lot lately about magazines and I think we should do a mom hour magazine shut up I'm just gonna I'm just going to blow that up in the intro and let you sit there and freak out because I'm wondering if I actually mean it or not. But I'm I'm actually really curious if any of our listeners also like print, like to read a print publication, because I still love a good magazine. So I mean, email us if this idea has any interest to you. I would love to hear. And you know how things that go away, like come back as retro. So, you know, the death of print yeah. magazines, there is probably a renaissance where like people, well, they're not really dead. They still exist. They just changed a lot. Right. So, yes. But yeah. There was a time, yeah. though, when they were folding right and left. Oh, right. So I Many don't mean... did die. Yeah. <laughs> there was Many death. did die. There was, there was a lot of death. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, the opposite of death is birth and birthdays. And this is total coincidence. You know, I like to line up these happy coincidences. This is just a coincidence. 
we're talking about ages and stages of kids and each year. But we as a podcast had a birthday um, this past weekend, a few days ago. I think it's I think our birthday is March 19th, but I always have to go look. So we are seven. Happy birthday to us. We are like the stage where we're like all teeth, but like different sized teeth. (laughs) And I guess poop humor. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Yes. So cool. Yeah. Fart joke. (laughs) Or or maybe we're like in dog years. I think there has to be. I think there has to be. We are like grannies of the podcast world. So there's no way that we're truly a seven. But yeah, this podcast was kicked off, launched, born in March of 2015, which makes us seven this month. We don't really do much. As you longtime listeners know, sometimes for a milestone episode, like 300 or 200, we'll do something special. We don't tend to do anything around this official anniversary, except say like, yay, high five, like keep going. Here we are. We're still here. Yeah, we're still here. So anyway, we are seven today. And in today's episode, we're specifically talking through ages two through eight And then next week, we are going to continue with nine up through the teenagers. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah, and for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle. Whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code themomhour 15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, Sarah. So 
obviously we're going in order here. So we're going to start with two-year-olds and just kind of talk about our general impressions of two-year-olds. And I love the way you put it. Like, what is the essence of a two-year-old? I mean, they have a lot. There's a lot in a two-year-old. There's a lot of essence being contained in those little bodies. Yes. Well, the first thing that came to mind is obviously since two is still just barely coming out of infancy, there is a huge difference developmentally and even in essence between a 24-month-old when they first turn two and a 36-month-old when they turn when they turn three. And I think you could argue that for a lot of years, but especially with a two-year-old, I think it's so... You, I remember stopping telling people how old my kid was in months. Like I never said my kid is 27 months old, but in a way you almost wish you could because there's just a big, big difference between a young two and a newly three. So my first thing to say yeah. about two-year-olds is they contain multitudes. And a new two, <laughs> if you're comparing a new two to a nearly three, it's it, think about that in terms of their overall life. It's like a third of life difference. Um, yeah. So the specific things that came up for me is really awkward hair and haircuts, unless, <laughs> unless you've had enough hair to have a proper haircut at two, but a lot of toddlers haven't. So we're talking mullets and bald spots and like, bald spots. you know, yep. the babies have that too, but they're babies. So it's, we're like a little bit more forgiving. And all of a sudden there's this like walking, talking toddler. And there's a lot of like rat tail situations going on or like hair that hasn't come in on the top. So awkward hair. I also think of two-year-olds as being really heavy in my arms. And the reason for yeah. that is you're not setting them down to, to walk independently very much. I mean, they can walk, but you're carrying them a lot and and they're very, very heavy. I had, uh, when I was pregnant with Reed and had a two-year-old Allegra, Allegra was a very, uh, like in terms of like growth height and weight, top of the growth, growth charts. So now I'm not remembering the pounds, but it was whatever the top of those charts were. And, and two-year-olds are heavy and yet you're still getting that you're still carrying them quite a bit. Um, yeah, they're like the, it's like the, like the limbs. And like, <laughs> what I remember about that is carrying like a sweaty, they're a slightly sweaty two-year-old. For some reason, they sweat. Well, it's probably because they're running around like crazy all the time. And then they would kind of start to like kind of fall asleep and nestle their sweaty face yeah. like in the, you know, in your neck area. And then all their limbs, you're like, I'm going to fall over forward because yeah. they're so heavy. But yeah. it's like very, it's like that soft, sweet, heavy weight, but it's heavy. Yeah, yes. it's a lot more than a year yeah. prior. Um, and then, you know, with my babies, it was always like a, a pretty big explosion of language that year. I mean, like, I mean, we know language is like from infancy all the way up. It's fun to see kids, ex you know, explode in their vocabulary and the way they start to talk. But two, in my mind, is starting to put multiple words together um, and really like and really talk and communicate in it seems like overnight or it seems like in yeah. big, big, big leaps for my kids. So that's yeah. what came up for me of the essence of two. Yeah. And you know, the other thing I would add to that is like a two-year-old has such a huge disconnect between their physical ability and even sometimes their like smart, their intelligence versus like um, their wisdom <laughs> and like, you know, impulse control. So it's like they're in this body that can kind of do a, most of what they want it to do. Like they can run away from you. If they want to, yeah. they can climb up on things, wiggle away from you. Like they've, they've kind of figured out how to do stuff with their body, but they don't have any common sense. Right. And they don't have any impulse control and they don't have any life experience or wisdom, right. but they're smart. Like they can figure out how to get the top off of something yeah. or get into your purse. 
So it's like they know how to do all the things and they can physically do all the things, but they had not yet figured out why it's a bad idea to do the things or like how to pace themselves or not hurt themselves. So oh, it's, yeah. It's dangerous is what you're saying. They're just dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're wondering as a mom of a two-year-old why you just like kind of exhale every time they are safely asleep, it's because you are on danger duty. That reminds me, I will link up my interview with Megan Leahy, which was a Voices interview not that long ago, a few months ago. She did a great job of really explaining the that frontal cortex or whatever, whatever's really happening for toddlers in that impulse control. It's just such a good reminder. We know it, but it's like, oh, right. They are not, it's not all online is the way she explained it. Like it's there, right. the, those, those, um, synapses and everything's there, but it has not come online yet to make like logical decisions. So did you and I have you and I talked on the show before about the theory? I know that we talked about whether odd years or even years are easier. We and I feel like we had a theory that like even years were easier than odds. You told but, me that because I don't think I'd ever heard it, but I've heard it from you. Yeah. And then that half years are harder. So I would say from my experience, and of course it's just me, my experience with all of the well, maybe not all the ages, but I'm gonna say two I was very confused when I had a newly branded two-year-old that everyone like labeled them terrible twos because I was like, oh, this two-year-old's pretty good. Like, you know, it's better than a whiny toddler was like a whiny zero one to two, like mm -hmm. hanging on yeah. your legs. They can do some stuff. They have a little bit of agency. Like they're talking. That's great. And then like two and a half, I was like, oh, oh, I see. So it's almost like two and a half is really three, like yeah. the way and and that three major thing starts to kind of come into play then. So which, this, which is why it's so hard to kind of put general ideas around a year, because which part of the year are we talking about? Right. Exactly. To your point. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, that's a good time to move on to three. And when I thought about three-year-olds, I realized that I probably have more long-form videos on my phone or, on, you know, saved in Google Photos of three-year-olds than any other single age. And the reason is they're hilarious. They're also just a little more independent. And I don't mean leave them upstairs to play by themselves for two hours independent, but like talk about the heavy two-year-olds. You can put them down and set them up with something. And mine all talked like crazy. Sometimes they talked just to themselves or to me. And I have all these videos because my hands were free. I was not holding them. Videos of my three-year-olds playing or talking or singing or being goofy. So that is just my memory of three is little almost little performers. Yeah. I am thinking about these videos that I have of Clara when she was a little baby. And so Owen was about, you know, he's in his threes then he was more like three and a half, but literally Owen, who's very quiet. He's not like a noisemaker in general, or at least isn't mm -hmm. now constantly making sound. And it's always like in the background of the cute video I'm trying to get of Clara, like being a cute little newborn. And he's in the back, like singing a SpongeBob song or just blathering, like yeah. just you know, and I don't, he's the only one I probably have video evidence of doing that at three because he was truly a background in those, a lot of those videos, they yeah. were of the baby and he's like in the background and it's just blah, blah, blah. So it's like, I remember it, but it was kind of funny. Like with the other kids, I remembered it a little more, um, like theoretically, I yeah. guess that ambient three-year-old noise. And with Owen, he was just the only one that I caught as background noise. Yeah. Yeah. For a long time. And it's, it's nothing. He's not saying anything to me. Right. It's just blah, 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 yeah. blah, making noise just to make noise. And you will be so glad you have that. Like, I know now there's pressure on moms to have every video be like super cute and like almost professionally yeah. produced. But honestly, if all you get 
is a little bit of audio of them talking and singing, not in a performative way, but just evidence. You'll be so glad that you have it. Well, it, it's almost like even better because he didn't, I wasn't, the camera wasn't yeah. on him. So he was more free, like just to be himself. Yeah. Whereas like Claire's videos are all of her. Yeah. She didn't have any younger siblings that I was trying to capture. So yeah. yeah. Um, Three for us was also a big jump in some fears and anxieties. It was different for each kid, but scared of bees or scared of spiders or scared of the dark. And that's because they do start to understand how the world works a little bit. Um, They become very good negotiators, three-year-olds. And um, there's just big vacillations. And again, back to that Megan Leahy interview, which I'll link up. I remember her talking about like, Sometimes the system is online and you can have a logical conversation with a three-year-old about, nope, the cookie is for after your nap and now we're going to do this. And sometimes that works and you're like, okay, like he gets it. Like we're, we're making mm-hmm. progress. And then other times because they're tired, because they're hungry, because they're going through a regression, it's very normal to have huge vacillations between what we think of as like babyish behavior, toddler behavior, and then more like preschool behavior. And then I think three is sort of like, where it wildly goes back and forth between the two. And that's normal. You know, when you're talking about the big fears, I was thinking about how when I think of three and negotiate, it kind of all goes together and the understanding of how the world works. Um, it's like, I've never seen anyone lock in on a completely <laughs> illogical idea, like a three-year-old, like they have decided that this is the way the world is because they're starting to understand a little bit about how it works. But they just chose one little thing to just like glom onto whatever it is. Like, um, you know how like those associations get made in childhood where you see something once so you think that's how it always is yep. or something, you know what I mean? Or your parents make an offhand comment and then you take that as gospel. And yep. then for the, you know, the next 30 years, you think that's actually true or and maybe it's only sometimes true. And that's, I feel like three in yep. a, in a nutshell. It's like, I, I decided that is true. So it is absolutely 100% true and you cannot talk me out of it and you can't logic me out of it and I will believe it until I guess I'm ready to move on. I don't know. It's it's a very interesting um, like to get a little glimpse in those brains to see what's happening. Which is why as a mom of a three-year-old, please build in breaks from your child for yourself because while <laughs> you start to believe it, while the two-year-old is heavy, the three-year-old will make your brain just go bananas if you're if you're yeah, trying you're to. to- yeah, negotiate with You're that. You're starting to believe that actually that's how the world is. You're like, oh, maybe they're right. They're I don't gaslighting know. gaslighting you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I love four-year-olds. And maybe maybe this is hazy rose-colored glasses memories, but there are a couple ages that I think are really just delightful, like where babies or toddlers or kids just look like cartoon characters of what you think a little kid looks like. And for me, four is one of those ages. And I am talking physically for a second here. I also love um, 15 to 18 month olds, like a, like a one-year-old um, for putting a cute outfit on and like parading around. Um, and four is another one of those ages where there's something about, they're so little still, but there's no more mm. diapers. They get a little bit taller and leaner sometimes. Um, but they're still very babyish and they've got a mouthful of all their baby teeth. They're not losing teeth yet. So it's like a, it's like a miniature person, a four-year-old. Yes, There's, it is totally. Yes. And their clothes get better. Their clothes like are they're, really They're cute. moving out of like the baby, baby clothes mm-hmm. and they're moving into the, what looks like little teenager clothes, you know, but cute. Yes, <laughs> it is girl. like it's yeah. playing dress up with like a miniature person. And that's all I wrote down about four-year-olds. I know there's lots developmentally going on, but when I think of a four-year-old, I think of the relief that comes with some of that hard stuff we just talked about. 
uh, being behind us from two and three year olds. They're often done napping, done with diapers. Um, you can dress them in cute outfits and have conversations with them. And I just find them delightful. And yet they're still very, very little. So They are. Um, I was just thinking about, you know, my particular, my last few four-year-olds, the ones I remember. It's like really hard to think back to the ones who've been, who were four almost 20 years ago. Um, 20, well, 20 years ago for one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, I just remember loving that year. It was mm-hmm. like the year before they went to kindergarten, they were kind of like my shadow. Usually Clara was very creative, very creative. She wrote a lot of songs. She, I'm putting wrote yeah. in quotation <laughs> like, marks wow. here because there wasn't any writing happening, but it was like, she would come up with a full on song with a melody and lyrics. And it's sometimes like a chorus and a hook. It was like kind of crazy. And, and I just remember that being like, it was kind of like the noise, the sound, or uh, sorry, was the the aimless chattering uh-huh. only now suddenly it had shape. Uh-huh. Um, and she would draw a lot. She would, she couldn't write yet, but she would pretend like she was mm-hmm. writing. So there would just be like squiggles and to her, it was a story and she would tell me the story. I remember Owen being very fun in a very different way. Um, he was a really different kid from Clara, but, and Will too, like, I just remember thinking four-year-old four was just a great age. And most, most of my kids, when they were four, had a little baby sibling too. Right. So that was always a really cute time. Like, I feel like a four-year-old with a little sibling is, is like, I don't know, they're very sweet. They yep. can actually kind of help you. Yep. Yeah. So I totally agree. Really good impressions of that age. I agree. I, I'm like, I'm picturing some moms in our listener community who are just having a really rough time with four and feeling right. like, cause there's nothing worse than being like, Oh my gosh, four is the best. I love four. And you're like, Oh my gosh, but it's terrible. So I don't know this, this is, does not one size fits all. Uh, but I'm going to agree with you. I think it was a very sweet kind of easier year after those first three years that can be hard or at least have hard phases baked in. Um, and two of my three were also older siblings by four. And I agree. That's another really fun thing to see that maturity, the maturity of four while keeping this teeny tiny, cute little body that you can put outfits on and, um, you know, take out with you as your little sidekick is a really fun combination. And I also feel like a four-year-old can, um, takes on the responsibility of almost like trying to explain the world to a younger sibling or, mm-hmm. oh, or totally. like moralizing to, and sometimes there's videos I'll yes. see like on Instagram or something where like a four-year-old's trying to explain the rules to their little sibling or like explain how the world works or yeah. I don't know, like reason with them. And it's adorable because they're starting to get it. Like this is what older people do with little people. Yep. Um, and they sort of understand how the world works, but it's just like a very limited understanding. And I just think it's really cute. I'm remembering now because you're so right. And a lot of four-year-olds have been to some kind of preschool by that point. Yeah. So then they're like Allegra would come home and model like or pretend swim lesson, pretend pediatrician's <laughs> office, pretend, um, preschool and just like act that out of like, I'm the grown up, And then you little brother are the kid. And it is, it's that, um, a lot of pretend a lot of make believe at four and they haven't gone off to kindergarten where they're now the babies again. So it really is that like, it's like owning the maturity of the preschool years in the yeah. most adorable, like tiny way. Yeah. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product, 
Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. All right. So we made it through the first four years. I mean, this feels a lot easier than actually parenting these children. <laughs> wow. This just, has been a breeze. This was really easy. It's like took 20 we minutes. just remember some good stuff and then move on <laughs> in 20 minutes. Amazing. So we are, we have arrived at five-year-olds, which we have. kind of feels like a, like a benchmark of some kind. It so what is. are your thoughts? Well, my first impression of a five-year-old is that whenever I look at pictures of my five-year-olds, I'm like, oh, that's like a three-year-old, right? Like in my brain, it doesn't compute that that tiny person was in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, when I was going through it, experiencing it, that's, how I felt as well. I mean, it kind of depended if they had younger siblings at the time, because if they have like a three-year-old sibling and maybe a baby, they would seem bigger. But then when they like go off into the classroom and you just see a whole bunch of like little five-year-olds together, you're like, but they're just babies. Like how can this tiny human be ready to go to a classroom and do school like all day? And it's like, they even know (laughs) they're not ready for it because they're looking, you know, they're looking at you. Like it's amazing the difference between a, a, kindergartner and a first grader. Oh my gosh. That is such a big difference. You're so right. And even if they've been in all day preschool and even if they go to all day kindergarten, it doesn't, it's something about like the difference between that leap. Just, it just, they're little, little things. And they, it feels like a lot of responsibility to send them into that 
environment, even if it's very similar to a preschool environment, it almost doesn't matter. It's just like, yeah, there's still so little. I agree. I have found that I think five is a birthday that makes a lot of moms emotional. For some reason, five feels like the end of something or like the beginning of something. And as we talk through all these ages, I think there are a few that kind of for some reason feel like that. I will say, and you you alluded to this, but when your first kid is five, it feels huge. Like you think, oh my, like this is a big kid. I'm now in big kid territory. We're going to school. Um, but with subsequent kids and like to your point, when you look back at photos, you're like, oh, but they're teeny. So it is it is right. a both and they are big, especially if you've never had a five year old and you've slugged through the baby and toddler and preschool years. You're like, wow, I have a five year old. That feels like a milestone. Um, and then with a little bit of hindsight, I think we realize they are so little babies. Yeah, they are. And I I honestly don't remember a ton about like their specific, I don't know, behaviors or things like that at five. And I think that actually might just be because there's so much else going on. Um, Although I will say my boys all started kindergarten, kindergarten closer to six. They just felt still very young. Mm -hmm. And I think that the focus was just like, almost like the focus started to become them growing more independent and separating a little bit. And it's hard to remember specifically what that looked like besides the expectation of them being bigger than I thought that it felt like they were really ready to be. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Well, that brings us to six because I will lead with talking about my sixth birthday, which I have a very distinct memory of. And I remember coming to the dining room or the dinner table. And I, so we had like a set of Corel plates, Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, many people still do, but I specifically remember there was like the dinner plate and a salad plate And I think my mom was still giving me my dinner on the smaller sized plate. It was like a salad sized plate with the smaller fork. Like you'd have the bigger fork and the smaller fork. fork. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was because I just didn't eat that much. And maybe, I don't know, mentally she thought this is the size plate that a child eats off of. And I remember saying, um, oh, and also I got fed out of like a, I got, I had, uh, I drank out of like a plastic, colorful plastic Uh little mini tumbler instead of a glass like everyone else. And I remember sitting down very proudly and saying, well, where, why did I not get a regular fork and plate and glass? Um, I am six. Yeah. Like what is going on here? And I kind of remember my mom chuckling and my siblings having a little fun at my expense about that, but I meant it. Like Mm -hmm. I, it was like, Hey dummies, get the picture. I am six now. This is real. Yeah. I am not a baby. And that I remember that essence around my kids at that age, like they were coming into their own and they recognized they, they were coming into their power and maybe a little prematurely felt very big. Yeah. They felt like they'd grown leaps and bounds in independence and confidence and they wanted us to know about it. Yes. I love six. Six is another year that I love. Um, shout out to the famous poem. Now we are six. Do you know that one? Yeah. Like, do you know? Oh, it? Yeah. But yeah. Um, and we always like read that or I don't know, Instagrammed it or sent it back and forth to each other on our kids' sixth birthdays because it's such a sweet poem. Um, I You mentioned kindergarten and I know we're not going by school year, but you're so right that first graders are such a huge leap ahead of kindergartners. And it really doesn't matter. I think I've been in four different schools where there's kindergarten or kindergarten and first or preschool into kindergarten. I've I've seen many different it's not the school. It's not whether it was half day or full day. There's something about that 
having survived kindergarten and being a first grader that feels big. And so I can totally see you sitting down at that table and being like, nope, we're, this is, we're doing it this way now. <laughs> right. So I, love I mean, that. we are past that situation. Yeah. That yeah. was so yesterday. I love it. Well, I, I alluded to this in the, um, when we were chatting at the beginning, Sarah, but seven-year-olds, I mean, they're like overgrown puppies. Like they're all like limbs, but they're also just all jacked up teeth. Yes. <laughs> like. They're just a hot mess when they open their mouths. And some of them are really, really hot messes because, you know, serious orthodontic issues are beginning to make themselves known or like they've got extra sets of teeth coming in. But even the kid with the most standard normal teeth, some are going to be falling out. Some are going to be growing in. I mean, it's a mess. It's a total mess. I love seven. Um, I also think both six and seven year olds are kind of dirty all the time. I I <laughs> yes. meant to mention that with six-year-olds, but there's something about, I well, maybe it's because we as moms are not wiping them down as aggressively right. as we do with the three and four-year-olds. But when I picture kindergarten and first graders, maybe because they're away from us in a lot of cases all day, then I picture these dirty, dirty kids coming in from outside. And like sticky faces. Yes. Yeah. And and now that I say this out loud, of course, the the littler ones would be just as dirty, but we're more aggressive about <laughs> Posing them off and wiping right. them off. And they're not away from us maybe for as, as many hours at a time. But back to back to teeth. Um, I mean, I love a, I love a second grader's mouth so, so much. When I volunteered in the library at our elementary school for several years, I would see, you know, whole classes of kinder and first and second. And this is when I had also, I had kids in this age range too. Um, but I always forgot that you think of teeth starting to get wiggly in kindergarten and some kids get wiggly teeth as young as four, lots of kids when they're five and by six, everybody's got wiggly teeth, but it takes until seven for most kids to have that like fully jack-o'-lantern look. And it's like because one's half grown yeah. in and the other one's fully grown yeah. in and then some haven't even fallen out yet. Oh my gosh. It's yes. delightful. It's just so funny. And they're, I think seven-year-olds are generally happy creatures. I mean, they're just, they feel, they don't have some of the insecurities that we'll talk about that start to come up a little later. Um, they feel pretty good about their place in the world. I just think seven, yeah, puppies is a good analogy. Seven-year-olds are comfortable with themselves a lot of the time, even though they look a hot mess. The other thing I remember about seven is really, my kids really starting to develop their sense of humor um, but the jokes don't quite land yeah. like they're they understand the the basics of how a joke is put together much better than a four or five or six year old would. Like they can actually like they know the setup and uh-huh. the punchline and all that. But then sometimes it's just not really funny. Yeah. <laughs> but you can see all the you can see the wheels turning. Yep. Um, potty humor is definitely a big oh, part yeah. of it. Big part of it. Um, and then for me, at least, and I know this is so different. This is so individual for kids, but for me and for some of the kids that I've had in my household, I, I want to say this is when they start to like take a different kind of interest in reading. Like it's not as passive or like books are being read to them, but more like they're choosing what they want to read and they're really reading it. Even if it's still, they're reading at a lower level that for me, at least there was just a really big difference between the way I engaged with books at seven than before that. And I can remember very specifically that at seven, I felt like I became a reader rather than one who read. Yeah. And I think that's true. And I think like if you have mixed age kids in your home and you have a seven, you can have a newspaper or a magazine lying out or a catalog 
and a seven will often pick it up and start reading it because they the the hard work of you know sounding out and learning the basics of reading um, may have locked into place. So now they're just looking around and reading signs and they're reading the pamphlet that gets dropped off at the door. And that's a different kind of like the light is on fully a lot for yeah. a lot of kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about eight. Um, I've always thought of eight as like the gateway between little and big kid. It, they're like not quite like one foot's in each in each land, yeah. I guess. Um, they're still sweet. They still want to hang out with you. Um, they still can be very attached to mom, but they also start to get kind of wise about stuff and smart. They start to get hard to buy toys for. I remember that at eight. You really kind of go out of your, you got to go out of your way to find the right thing for an eight year old. They're not always going to be just like easy to appease with just whatever, Yeah, you know? Um, and they start to lose that mad, the, the magical ways of thinking about the world. And I know that there's like, um, a lot of tradition behind the seven to eight transition. I, I actually think in the Catholic faith, like seven is the last year you get a pass. Okay. I'm pretty sure after seven, you can sin something like that. Okay. And I, I think it's because there's this idea that you know what you're doing mm-hmm. um, and that you're capable of like thinking through right and wrong, things like that. So, and, and it corresponds with me being able to very clearly remember years eight and up mm-hmm. like really specific memories and lots of them. And like, who were my friends? Where did I sit in the classroom? Like I have a lot of memories about eight and up mm-hmm. and very few relative to that younger. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, um, as you're talking, I was picturing myself at eight and it's a easy to remember for two reasons. One, my sister was born when I was eight and a half. So that's like a real, you know, I can remember the before and the after I got a baby sister. And we also weirdly lived in three houses the year that I was in third grade. So eight turning nine, just because of a couple of moves all in the same town. So there's lots of anchor memories. Like, you know, when you move or get a sibling or something, it kind of locks in. So I, I agree on eight. I also have noticed that my kids at eight starts to start to spend more time away from the family socially, more drop off play dates, more maybe running around in the neighborhood, more um, birthday parties where it's a drop off or somebody offers to take them to the amusement park for the day. And I remember that being feeling a little bit like unnerving when it was my first, just because yeah. school is one thing you, you take them in the morning, you pick them up. And we had gotten used to that for a couple of years. But uh, socially and have starting to have friends and then not just have their little friends, but actually like maybe they're going to somebody's house and you just only casually know the parents. They're not like your right. best friend's kid, but they're starting to make their own friends and they're starting to spend time away from you doing social things. And that just was that was new for me as a mom. Now it feels very normal. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great. That's a that's a fun part of our family life now. But when it's new to you. And maybe new to your kid, it's a learning curve. So that also feels like an eight thing to me. And maybe I don't. Maybe it's earlier for some kids, but oh, I'm sure it is, and and probably later for other kids. And I think again, like you know, we're wrapping up the first episode in a two part series where we're trying to like encapsulate a year. Um, that's really hard right. to do because right. there are things like that I just said that were also kind of true about nine year olds. And when I think about you know some of my kids, like coming into that like bigger kid status. Some of them did it a little earlier um, and a couple did a little later, but it's like this, when we think back, what is our general memory about that age? And um, you know, you can apply it up or down a year or two and it probably still 
sparks, you know, sparks something for it's you. It's one of those graphs. You know how there's different pictorial ways to represent data. I'm picturing the one where like you look at the concentration of dots. So there will be outliers. But if you can, you can kind of draw a circle around where most of the dots are concentrated. I think that's our best. That's our best hope today. Yeah. Well, this has been really fun. Um, I want to remind everyone, even if you're like totally over travel content, you can still go check out the many travel episodes and blog posts that we've done over the last month or so. It's at themomhour.com slash travel 22. And we're going to be definitely adding to that through the summer. So check back. Um, We're not going to be talking about it quite as much, but we are going to have content that's going to be going up that's around travel that, you know, leading into um, summer vacation and your plans around there. So we've got two blog posts up that you might want to check out. They are um, Five Ways I Stay Sane as a Mom on Family Vacations, written by our contributor, Emily, and How to Keep Kids Entertained on Long Car Rides uh, from Ashley. And we touched on, I guess, both of those things in podcast content um, over the last month or so, but it's great to have you need all the help you can get, right? Yes, we do. Situations. Yes, we do. Yeah. So yeah, that all of that is at themomhour.com slash travel 22. And yeah, we still have some ideas cooking for um, adding to that page as we gear up for summer planning. I also want to mention, so hopefully you're following us on Instagram and you're part of that community because it's continued to grow and become kind of like a fun I don't know, like companion outlet, things we mm-hmm. things we can't do here on the show because you're only listening to us, things we can show you over on Instagram. And one of the things we've started doing is letting our contributors take over Instagram stories for the day and just give you a little peek into their lives. And we have done it three times so far or four. I'm already losing track. Four, I think. I think this is four. the fourth. No, I think Kia. So Kia's coming is up tomorrow the- and I think it's the fifth. Because we've done oh, this is the fifth. Okay. Joanna and Stacy and Mandy and Catherine came on the heels of each other. Um, yes. And they are really fun to watch. And, you know, these moms live all over the country, have different um, different like home life work situations and um, are sharing their lives with you. So I wanted to tease that Kia is up tomorrow. Kia has four kids. She has an almost 13 year old. And then she has all the way down to a brand new baby um, and a toddler and a preschooler. So. Kia is a stay-at-home mom right now. She's been a postpartum nurse in her career before and is at home right now. And so her day in the life is just going to be that very like relatable mm-hmm. at-home day with a, kids of a bunch of different ages where you've got um, big kid stuff to attend to all the way down to a new baby. So uh, hop on over, follow us on Instagram, and then look for Kia in stories tomorrow, which is Wednesday if you're listening to this the day it comes out. And then Sarah, we are really in the thick of like this two year post, like look back to what life was like two years ago. Very, very different from where we are now. So the more than mom this Sunday, we're just going to be kind of digging into that. Um, Like what life was like in those early days. I know for me, it's like kind of hard to even remember sometimes what we were actually doing two years ago. So we're going to have some fun and it'll probably be a little, you know, emotional and heavy at times too. Just looking back at what our lives were like that pandemic time warp. Yeah. Yeah. And, and everything that's ensued since, which is like, we've talked about not necessarily a a, a linear progression. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and then as we mentioned next Tuesday, we'll be back to continue this conversation with the ages nine up through the teenagers up through about 16, 17, Leading up to, do you want to, te- now we're getting really far ahead of ourselves, but um, at the end of next week, 
you're going to be chatting with your 18 year old, right, Megan? Yeah, I'm going to be talking with Will for our voices interview. And I'm really excited about that because, you know, he's 18, um, I guess 18 and a half now and going off to college in the fall. And he's very funny and personable. And it's going to be a great conversation. That's just talking about like what it's like to be a teenager these days. So even if you don't have a teenager yet, I think it'll be a great listen to hear right from the mouth of good old reliable William, who I talk about on the show all the time. I love it so much. All right. Well, that's a lot to look forward to over the next week and a half or so. Thanks for joining us today, everybody. And we will talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.